as a cell phone service. That's a cell phone service? It was. Boost Mobile. It was owned by Sprint. Mm-hmm. That's fucking weird. Was there, it was basically like Sprint's prepaid line. Yeah. Or kind of like Cricket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Cricket, yeah, but I it don't was, remember Boost. It was Sprint's version of Cricket, basically. It was all prepaid. Yeah. Prepaid phones. 50 bucks. It was like 50 bucks a month got you unlimited everything, but it was a real cheap piece of shit phone that you couldn't do anything with. Sounds about right for like, fifty bucks. I mean, great. You get what you gets pay the job for, done. You get what you pay yeah. for. I mean, if you're just trying to text and call, yeah, right. Like old people phones. Mm-hmm. I keep old people. I still feel like sometimes you need to get one of those jitterbug phones. Oh, damn it. <laughs> you specifically? I mean, yeah. Thank you. How often sometimes. do you use the internet on your phone? Every day. Oh well. Yeah, I mean. Every day. Someday. I also threatened to get my grandma one once. Yeah. But that was mostly because she wouldn't stop texting me. (laughs) Can you limit it? Right? I was like, why are you sending me so many emojis? (laughs) So many things. Like, I don't even think, I think it was just like when she figured out they were a thing that existed. So she downloaded them. And then she would just send me random ones that I'm like, are you trying to tell me a story? What is, why? It's like, pizza, heart, rainbow, dancing guy. Shrimp. Flag from some random country. I was like, what are you you doing? What? Are you just sending me every emoji that exists just to see what it looks like? It's not going to look any different when you send it. Oh, bless it. Anyway. Are you recording? Yep. Yeah. Well, that is Cell Service Corner here at Ghosts and Hosts. <laughs> Thank you for stopping by our mall kiosk. Oh, God. Oh, man. Fuck. Oh, Lord. Welcome to Ghosts and Hosts. Ghosts and Hosts. Ghosts and Hosts, a paranormal podcast yeah. where we talk about all things spooky, mm-hmm. murder most foul. Yeah. Aliens. Yes. Cryptids. I love a cryptid, as evidenced by my shirt today. Ghosts? Oh, yeah. yeah. I believe in the Mothman, nice. is what it says. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Um, I actually happened to be just scrolling through the Instagrams today, and I did see that uh, Bones from Cursed Cast and mm-hmm. Files. Mm-hmm. Just did a Sasquatch weekend, mm. and he fo- posted a photo, and it is freakish and scary, but it's exactly what our friend Mr. Mitchell says he's been seeing out in the woods. Mm. When he goes real deep backwoods, mm-hmm. there are branches in the form of an X that looks extremely intentional, could potentially be... Mm-hmm. Uh, a coincidence like somebody but no. made a marker but also no right but like there, it's like two trees that have fallen into an x mm. but it, where the branch the trees are snapped it mm-hmm. looks really fucking intentional mm. i don't know weird shit i don't like that and they're in north carolina so mm. yeah but that's you know supposedly that is a bigfoot sign Cross branches. I have yes. heard that. Yeah, I have heard that. Yeah, freakishly. Actually, I took a screenshot and I sent it to Mr. Mitchell, and he was like, "That is a, he's like real squatchy." Oh, right. Mm-mm. Yeah, Rainbow. that makes me uncomfortable. 
Oh. Right. Stuff like that. Just way okay. out in the deep woods. But you can see the branches are just ones. Yeah. No. Weird. I don't. Like some Blair Witch looking shit. Yeah. And when you said it, I just imagined like somebody had taken big branches and made mm-hmm. like, but not the actual full trees. Yeah. I don't no. care for that. Yeah. So this tree is totally bent over. Hmm. This one is snapped. That one is snapped. And this one is leaning. It's just, it's real weird. Anyway, so if some of y'all listen to Hex Files or Cursed Cast, go check out his photo. I think it's on their Hex Files page. It's pretty interesting shit. Right? Like Bigfoot. Yes. I want to go squatching. But also. Do it. I just know. Yeah, so I sent that to because you friend. have to go, you have to go deep, and that yeah. makes me uncomfortable. <clears throat> yeah, I sent it to Mr. Mitchell. He's like, "Oh, I got to go squatch," and I was like, "I'm ready." He's like, "Well," he said, "He's ready too," but we have to wait a while because after the big storms that we've had, mm-hmm. it 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 would be too hard to yeah to squatch to yes exactly straight up. That's there you go. Too hard to squatch after the storm. Too hard to squatch. Gonna write that down. That sounds dirty. Too hard, too hard to squatch after the storm. You know? Oh, yeah. That sounds like good. a Lifetime movie. <laughs> I would watch that. I wouldn't, but I'd make fun of it. Oh, that's exactly why I'd watch it. That's one of my favorite things. Uh, too hard to squatch. Too hard to squatch. Do we have backhoes? Yes. I'm writing that down so I don't forget it because it's hilarious. Well, thanks, ma'am. Is that right? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I'm funny sometimes, guys. You know. It's just sometimes, though. I'll give you one every once in a while. Just, you know, every... Only sometimes. Only sometimes. Um, So, the light fixture saga has ended. Oh, good. Thankfully. Your ceiling fan is good. You're fine. It works enough. Perfect. That's Uh, kind of all you need. Yeah. So, the switch still doesn't turn anything on or off. Mm. Um, they had to get a new, different kind of switch, and, and sure, fine. But that doesn't do anything. So the remote to the fan and light fixture, that works now. But okay. you have to stand directly under the light fixture and point the remote at the dead center of everything to get it to turn on and off. Mm. Both the light and the fan. Huh. Yeah, so that's, I'm like that's that's an interesting wiring there. It Grandpa. is. Yeah, I was like, that's okay, how, that, that well, doesn't sound right. No, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it just but I'll take it over having to sleep with the light and the fan on at the same time, or turn off the half the power to my house. Fair. So I'm like, this is fine. Or maybe just leave it off so it's not a fucking fire hazard. Right. Ugh. Forever. Just yeah. Use a lamp. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't um, know that Grandpa's wiring can be trusted at this point in time. The best part was it wasn't all of his, it wasn't all his fault mm-hmm. uh, because like I I think I said the lighting in there or yeah. the wiring in there because um, there had been a fire at the house like over twenty years ago now when they went back in to fix the light situation in the bedroom and the dining room. I guess they were just kind of like half-assed. Weird. The lighting and the wiring. Wiring is not something you half-ass. No. I know this. No. This much I know. You should nay do that. This much I know. But they did. He's like, 
yeah, there's no reason for these things to be shoved in there like that. I'm like, hmm, that's great. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Uh, I might not be looking at you, but I can hear you. Yes, you can. Uh, what else we got? Uh, we also had many a Gwyneth story sent in. Fuck that bitch. From oh, yeah, many we people. Sure do. Uh, mostly the same stories where she was like, I got the Ronis and I'm real important about it. I was one of the first people that got it or something. Sure. I was like, okay. Please. Sure. So that, it yeah. was it was dumb. It was dumb. So, but thank you, everyone, for sending them. Yeah, she's dumb. Is she is dumb? Um, God forbid Gwyneth Paltrow gets the fucking Ronus, right? Yeah, you and she will never die. Five hundred thousand other people, right? Five. Yeah, yeah. She said she got it like way, way back in the glory days, I guess. Oh, oh, so Early she's days. she had the OG. Ronis? Yeah, she's like the hipster what? of ah, having coronavirus. Oh, oh, got it. Well, of course, of course. Of course. Yeah, why wouldn't no, she? Of course. Uh, How could I think otherwise? Exactly. How and, dare you think otherwise? Right? Um, a couple people sent us things. So, uh, listener Aaliyah responded to your question about there being any good filias. Yeah. So she said, and this is, she sent me this. Uh, in response to Dee's question about paraphilias, it depends on your definition of good or bad because anything sexual can be aphilia if you're super into it. Okay. Uh, good point. The DSM-5 recognizes eight of the most common paraphilias, uh, although it refers to them as disorders uh, because old white people think anything besides missionary is evil. And while some of these I would consider terrible and, and deviant, not all of them are. Right. And they are, and these are the eight... Um, paraphilia disorders in the DSM-5. Uh, voyeurism, exhibitionism, fraudeuristic, uh, sexual masochism, sexual sadism, pedophilia, fetishism, and transvestitism. Huh. Those are all the ones that are listed. Okay. So, yeah, she's like, obviously pedophilia is disgusting and wrong, but yes. uh, consensual exhibitionism, voyeurism. Absolutely. Stuff like Consensual's that. Consensual is the Isn't bad. Uh, and also sadomasochism isn't bad if done safely and consensually, Correct. so it's a matter of perspective. So one of those things is kind of like, thanks, girl. I automatically thought about this when we were having, where I was trying to come up with the, the terminology when mm-hmm. we were talking about this originally. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having, I'm struggling to remember why we didn't bring up like cinephiles or audiophiles. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Those, it's not necessarily a sexual thing, but it's still... Yeah, it's these ones, like, the paraphilias are a sexual attraction to things that mm-hmm. are out of the ordinary. Right, okay, so we're talking sexual yeah. things specifically. Yeah, 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 specifically. Um, and then, relating to your story last week, uh, listener Temple shared a super rad story on the squad page. Oh, I did not see. I will read it to you. I did nay see. No. Uh, so I did nay. She says, my first NOLA apartment was a second floor gallery at uh, 1129, I always forget how to say this, Chartres Street? Chartres, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like Chartres. Directly across from the gates of Ursuline's right. convent. I can 100% attest to the third floor shutters opening in the early morning hours. Uh, It was a bit of a party trick for guests. We'd check that they were closed at the start of the evening and then check back. Never disappointed. 
Damn. <laughs> I was like, that's so cool. That's awesome. Like, Thank you, Temple. My mind, she blown. Yeah. Because that's fucking cool. And I think... And the Ursuline Convent is actually one of the, in the top five oldest buildings in New Orleans. Oh. I think she's like actually probably top three. That is amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I had commented on the, on her post. Uh-huh. And she said the consistency was the most striking and unsettling. Uh, everyone could see it, and it happened all of the time. Uh, of course, nothing is as disturbing as having a ghost tour stop directly below where you're sitting and talk about unexplained death. <laughs> that's awesome, though. I was like, that's also a good point. I was like, that's so cool. Oh, yeah. to live in the quarter. Right. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't want to live right off bourbon, but... God, I love the quarter. Mm, I miss it. I do, too. Okay. And now, I have... Oh, I'm so sorry, Randall. What? I'm so sorry. What? But also, I'm not. So... No. Huh? No. First, uh-uh. Amanda Teague, uh, the one who married the ghost pirate. Yes. Uh, And this is just... This I'm is, already so irritated. This is from... <laughs> Uh, Irish my, and, and real quick for, for the listeners, I am currently also working my day job mm-hmm. because I went back to forty hours this week, and they asked me to stay, so I'm doing both right now. Uh, so I'm like working and also <laughs> hearing this thing that I know is going to be super fucking annoying. <laughs> so, so the work and the annoying, whatever the fuck, this somebody's about to be a dumb bitch, and I'm not going to like it. <laughs> I'm not going to like it. (laughs) Dumb bitch squared. Dumb bitch squared. All right, let's do this. So this is from irishcentral.com. Of course it is. Uh, So (laughs) Irish woman Amanda Teague explains how her marriage to Jack the Ghost Pirate came to an end after he became an energy vampire. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Okay. So, okay, and this... Amanda Teague, the Irish woman who made headlines after marrying the ghost of a pirate in 2016, has revealed that she has divorced her ghost husband using exorcism. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. So okay. There's, there's a lot of that. And she just goes on and talks about it and... But yeah, so she she divorced her ghost husband. Yeah, because he's an energy vampire through an exorcism. Huh. Um. And then. And then. And then. And then. Uh, this is from the New York Post. If it would, there we go. I was like, "Come on, man, get back here." Uh. And this headline is just so. It's something. Uh, Woman calls off wedding with ghost after he, quote unquote, kept disappearing. (laughs) Maybe I made a mistake trying to sell travel and hear (laughs) bullshit fucking stories from these people. It's just the dumbest people exist, man. I don't Uh, get it. A British woman who claims she got engaged to a ghost has now called off the wedding because he kept disappearing and started partying too much. Stop it. Fuck off right now. Stop it. No. Is this from the National Enquirer? No. Is it from the National Examiner? It's not. This is the New York Post. 
She, but she uh, is, well, New York Post is itchy. But she also was on a talk show oh, about Jesus it. Christ. Uh, we've called the wedding off. Oh, no. Uh, he just completely changed. And yes, that is... Uh, um, they went on a vacation to Thailand. Oh, good. And this is Amethyst Realm, by the way. She said, Weird. I, I think maybe he fell in with a bad crowd when we were on holiday. He just started becoming really inconsiderate. Oh, so this is Amethyst that called off her wedding. Uh-huh. There's the answer to your question. All right. Hang That's on. It, get, it, gets, it got called off. It gets better. He'd disappear for long periods of time. When he did come back, he'd bring other spirits to the house, and they'd just stay around for days. I think he started doing drugs and partying a bit much. That's not how being dead works. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it's just not. Ultimately, they both agreed not to tie the knot. Uh, Is he doing ghost cocaine? What the fuck? I don't know, but there's there's your answer on... Uh, why on, the wedding got called off? Oh, on okay. old Ugh. old Amethyst Realm and her her wedding, it didn't it didn't happen. She called it off because her ghost fiance was doing too much ghost cocaine. I guess that's not how being dead works. It's not. It's just not. It is nay. Tis nay. Tis nay. Tis nay. Tis. Tis nay. Ghost cocaine. Ghost blow. Ghost, ghost blow. blow. Ghost blow. Ghost and blow. Ghosts and blow. Ghosts and blow. Apparently. That's a thing. Lord Jesus, take that. Paranormal Podcast will read you fucking cocaine! Ah, you got ghosts in your blood. Let's do cocaine about it. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shit. Yep, so that I thought you needed to hear. Yeah. Thank you for sharing it. You're welcome. Now you know why Amethyst and her ghost. I don't give a shit. Oh, and it turns out, oh. I can't be bothered to give a fuck about her. I'm just mad that she exists. Uh, She did. She did say he did have a name, and now I can't remember it. Oh, good. Well, now he's just the Mm ex-boyfriend that does too much ghost blow. Fucking Casper the friendly. (laughs) Casper the friendly fart sound. Uh God damn, she's such a waste wow. of life. His name was Ray. Sure. She says. Ray the ghost. Ray's just doing too much of the ghost drugs. <laughs> just Need to send him to ghost rehab. Just like, come on. The ghost blow and the ghost crack. A ghost halfway house. Right. Wow. That sounds like it would be a really hilarious. Too many ghost parties. Show. Too many ghosts. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ew, bastard. Uh, Do you know what I'm doing with that? Shit, no. Too many ghosts. You don't know what that what is? is? You know. Oh, you absolutely yeah. know. Sure That's one of my favorite fucking things what ever. What was the cat? Snarf. Was that it? Uh, Snarf was... was in it, yes. Yeah, okay. What yeah. are you guys talking about? It was just the most random... <laughs> it it's called Too Many Cooks. Yeah, it's Too Many Cooks. It was a video, and it was like, uh, you know, like an old 90s sitcom, 80s, 90s sitcom Basically intro. the full house intro. Kinda, and it just, but it just went on for an eternity, and yeah. it was absolutely bananas. And it eventually, like, devolves. You see a dude, one dude who's in the background of every shot, mm-hmm. and then he starts showing up with, like, severed limbs in his hands. <laughs> It's, and then he starts chasing people yeah. around the sets trying to murder them. It's, it's really funny. absolutely bizarre and 
the theme song will get it stuck just, in your head forever. It go, it's 11 minutes, and that theme yeah. song happens almost the entire time. Yeah. It's nuts. Too many cooks, too many cooks. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that video. Oh, oh my it. God. I have not watched it <clears throat> since it came out, but... I can still see it in my head. Uh, D, this is mm-hmm. this came on. It, you're familiar with Adult Swim. I, I'm like, familiar with it. Yeah. So it came I was on. Never into it. Premiered on Adult Swim as basically like a a ten minute short at like two thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. Ah, got it. Yeah. So yeah. no one saw it when it happened. Yeah. Uh, the, until especially me, it I was hit YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then, Everyone's like, holy shit, this is unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were right. They were right. It's so unhinged. I remember watching it. I'm like, wait, wait, what? What? <laughs> what, what is even happening? What? Is anything going to happen? Oh, there's too much happening. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, no. And then 11 minutes have passed, and I'm still just as confused as I was when I started. Kind of like but laughing. Old Greg. Old Greg. Old Greg had more of a story, though, I feel. A little bit, yeah. You have a drunk bellies <sighs> from a shoe. I'm old Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Shay. Oh, Fuzzy little oh, man, shit. Peach. Oh, bless I could it. do that all day. Mm-hmm. Well, shit. You go first this week. I do go first this week. <sighs> oh, that's upside down. Not going to help you. It's not. Maybe don't do that. You're not wearing your glasses. I know. Okay. This one is short, so I don't feel like I need them for okay. this one. Well, I'm just letting you know. Thank you. Yeah. Just be careful. Well, if I'll stop and put them on if I need to, but I feel like this one's short. You're doing great, sweetie. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doing great, sweaty. <laughs> okay. So, But I still needed a little time for my brain to recover from my over-peopling. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like... I know what I'm going to do. I want to share a story that I've heard before, but that not many people seem to know about. So, as y'all know, we love a good cursed object around these parts. And it's been a while, uh, I believe 20 episodes since I've covered one. Uh, Carl Pruitt Mm -hmm. was the last official cursed object I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Chateau Marmont might be cursed, but... Officially, Carl Pruitt's was the last I did. So today, I'm going to tell you all about the death of James Dean and the curse of Little Bastard. Ooh, his car? Mm-hmm. Oh. God, he was hot. Yes. God damn, he was hot. He was only, what, 20... 27. Nope, 24. Oh, was he 24? Yeah, he was oh, I thought he was in the 27. I was just club. about to say 23, but I knew he was like 22, 24. 24 when he died. Yep. Ah, oh, bless it. Mm-hmm. So... Fine motherfucker. <laughs> James Byron Dean uh, was born in Marion, Indiana on February 8th, 1931. The year of our Yep. And was the only child of Mildred Marie and Winton Dean. Uh, Winton gave up farming and studied to become a dentist. And once he was through with his studies, and while James was still fairly young, uh, he moved his little family out to Santa Monica, California. Uh, James was incredibly close to his mother, and according to author Michael DeAngelis, uh, Mildred was, uh, quote-unquote, the only person capable of understanding him. Uh, in 1938, Mildred... Um, began rapidly losing weight and experienced severe abdominal pain and was eventually diagnosed with uterine cancer. 
Uh, she died when James was nine years old. Um, and there were, I didn't write them down, but there were a couple things that just, oh, broke my heart. He would, um, they had a thing where he would write down a wish before bed uh-huh. on a piece of paper and he would put it under his pillow and she would sneak in, take it and try and make that whatever wish he had written down come true the next day. Mm-hmm. I was actually just stalking photos of him. You Look should. at how much James Franco looks like yes. James. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, I think James Franco would be a good one to play him, or he doesn't look I like him. James Franco already got Greenwood to play James Dean. I don't know. I don't pay attention Randall, to James look Franco. Look at this photo. This is James Dean, but it looks like oh, yeah. James Franco. Yeah. It's insane. But uh, Jeremy Allen White, <laughs> Lip Gallagher, has the, the swagger. Sorry, uh, James Franco has already played James Dean oh, okay. in a movie entitled, wait for it. James Dean? James Dean. Wow. I, uh, like I said, I don't pay attention to uh, Lip Gallagher yeah. can get it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He can get it. Absolutely. Oh, my. Um, another thing, when James Dean was in fourth grade, he apparently broke out into tears, crying because he missed his mom, and he kept saying that he missed his mom. Bless I was like, it. oh, I hate that. Poor baby. So um, he was nine when she died, and following the death of his wife, Winton realized that he was unable to care for his son on his own uh, and sent him back to Indiana to live with his aunt and uncle, uh, Hortense and Marcus Winslow, on their farm. Okay. Um. Winton Dean would go on to serve in World War II and get remarried, but his relationship with his son would never be a close one. Mm -hmm. Um, While living with his relatives, James was raised to follow their Quaker beliefs. Uh, I did not realize he was raised Quaker. mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, During his preteen and teenage years, he found friendship and guidance uh, with a local Methodist pastor by the name of Reverend James DeWeird. That's Um, amazing. It could be DeWeird because it's... German. It yeah. Could be, but um, I like the way you said it. Thank you. And this reverend was actually the one who introduced James Dean to his love of cars and uh, theater. Oh, okay. Yeah. But there are plenty of Father rumors. DeWeird. Father DeWeird. Uh, there <laughs> are plenty of rumors surrounding this relationship, Uh-oh. including one that came out in 2011 with James allegedly revealing to former co-star and close friend Elizabeth Taylor that he had been molested by a minister a couple of years after the death of his mother. Boo. Yeah. Um, so. Can religious people just stop fucking with kids? <laughs> right. Can we just... I don't understand. Hey. Christians. Stop fucking children. Anybody, Continue. please stop it. We're going to beep, boop, boop. Uh, James was a great student in high school. In addition to the drama club, he was quite the sports star. Uh, while attending Fairmount High, he was a member of the track team, the football team, and was a champion pole vaulter his senior year. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Vault his pole. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, also, his love of performing went back to his toddler days when he began taking tap lessons at three years old. Bless it. Tap he, dancing toddlers mm-hmm. are my favorite. It's just the best. Uh, he would go on to take ballet classes when he lived in New York as an adult. 
Nice. Uh, some people say these lessons contributed to his graceful style during the knife fight scene in Rebel Without a Cause, which would make sense. Uh, he was also a huge fan of music. Uh, he loved jazz, Billie Holiday, and he played the bongos. The bongos? Uh-huh. And I believe I read something somewhere that he also played the violin. But it was kind of one of those things where it's like he was super inclined yeah, so if he like, just... was, and he would get really engrossed in things that he liked, See, and he would get... hyper focus on stuff like that. Oh, oh, wait, yeah. when's his birthday? Uh, February eighth. Oh, oh. So he would, like, when he had a hobby he uh, that he really enjoyed, uh-huh. he was all about it. Like sometimes he would be deep in thought or doing something, and people would have to like clap to get his attention or say mm-hmm. his name mm-hmm. like James and then he would be like oh sorry I was somewhere else he is an Aquarius was he's dead yeah he's an Aquarius um after his high school graduation in 1949 he and his dog Max moved back out to California uh where he lived with his father and stepmother and enrolled in pre-law courses at Santa Monica College uh, apparently his stepmother was like hey Winton Baby, you gotta fix this situation with your son. Bring him out here. And so he kind of begrudgingly did it and mm-hmm. didn't really change much. Huh. So Winton wasn't into parenting. He was not. He's like, um, I'm good. Yeah, I so don't be a dad. he transferred to UCLA and changed his major to drama, which did not go over well with his dad. And well, uh, Shut up, Quentin. Yeah. I have no say. <laughs> at that point, he... Uh, fuck, fuck you ever do for me. They fuck out of here. definitely... Like, he stopped talking to his son. He was like, nope, I'm over it. So, uh, he was never into it. How can you be over was, something you were never he into? He was like, <laughs> I tried for appearances, but I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, fuck off. Um, you have no say. In beautiful James Dean's life. Fuck so off. while he was studying acting in one of James Whitmore's workshops, he was selected out of 350 hopeful actors to star in a production of Macbeth. Ooh. And in 1951, he officially dropped out of college to pursue acting full time. Okay. Uh, he started getting small bit parts in television shows and commercials uh, while working as a parking attendant at the at CBS Studios. Uh, his first on screen role was in a Pepsi commercial. Okay. Um, look at that face. Mm-hmm. There, there. Um, where did I go? Good question. There we go. So in October of 1951, he was encouraged by James Whitmore and Rogers Brackett, both friends and mentors, to move to New York. Uh, while living there, he briefly worked on a game show called Beat the Clock as um, the one who would test out the stunts to see if they could be completed by the show's participants cool job um, right so he was kind of a he was basically a stunt man um well apparently he was so nimble and just a sports all-around star mm-hmm. that uh they had to let him go from the job because he was too good at it oh like he could like he could complete all of the stunts way better than any normal person would ever be mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. it's all that pole vaulting Definitely all the pole vaulting and the dancing. Yeah. They're, and track. Yes. He just was Running, an all-around sports pole star. vaulter. Yeah. And they were like, uh... You're too good, sir. These are just normal, regular folks. There's no way they're These are normies? Ever, there, there's no way 
there's no way. Sorry about it. You you gotta go. Right. He's like, yeah, okay. Um, he continued to land acting gigs, including the role of Bashir in a 1954 stage adaptation of Andre Gide's The Immoralist. Uh, his performance was so incredible and received so much buzz that he started getting calls from Hollywood big shots. And in April 1954, uh, James left New York for Hollywood after being eventually cast as the lead in the film East of Eden. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was apparently some initial contention with casting and the director. They're like, we don't know about this guy. But then they're like, yeah, no, he's really, really, really good. Um, now, most people are familiar with James Dean's iconic bad boy look. Yes. Uh, but you are more likely to catch him off screen barefoot, wearing dirty ripped up jeans and thick glasses. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> some some say that sometimes his jeans were like held up by safety pins. Yes. <laughs> Though the cigarette dangling from his lips was always present on screen or not. Uh, he could be hot tempered on occasion and a little strange. Because he's an Aquarius. <laughs> Uh, Dennis Hopper shared a story about the time he was filming um, the movie Giant, which would uh, become Dean's last film, Mm -hmm. and said, uh, we were in Texas and there were people lined up 100 feet from where Jimmy was doing his first scene with Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, He walked halfway between where we were shooting and where the people were, unfastened his pants, peed, and then walked back into the scene and got it in one take. Okay. Uh-huh. According to Dean himself, he was so nervous to film with Elizabeth Taylor that he figured if he could pee in front of a bunch of strangers, then he could act alongside the starlet mm-hmm. with no fear. He's like, like, okay. It's weird a, approach. It's a weird flex, but I, okay. I'm, I stand by my statement. He's an Aquarius. The Aquarian men are odd. <laughs> Uh, he was handsome and quiet, though according to friends, he could be quite moody. Uh, one such friend would go on to say that he'd be up one minute, down the next, and added that the insomniac Dean liked to show up at friends' houses or call them super late into the night. Uh, that same friend also said that he was uncomfortable in his own skin. Uh, there have been infinite rumors about James Dean's sexuality over the years, including a rumored fling with his idol Marlon Brando, and a very close relationship with Myla Nurmi, a.k.a. Vampira. Okay. Uh, according to some, he was infatuated with death, the macabre, the occult, uh, often telling people he slept in a coffin. He was also a noted teller of tall tales. So, grain of salt with that one. Um, one story that kept coming up in all of the stuff that I read was that he actually had um, knocked out his two front teeth. Mm-hmm. And he was on a trapeze in the barn. At his aunt and uncle's house. Okay. So he knocked out his two front teeth and he had um, a partial. Oh. So he had, his two front teeth were fake. Okay. And he liked to like flip them out of his mouth and freak people out at random. But he also. has a trapeze in their barn? I feel like that's just the word they use. I think, you know, like a rope situation, like up in the loft. Hey. Okay. Stuff. But who knows? Maybe they had an actual trapeze. Who the fuck knows? I wasn't there. But that also sounds rad. Uh, but he liked to tell people he lost them in a motorcycle accident, which was not true. And when oh. people would call him out on it his... It sounds better. It does. And it fits, but also, it fits if, his image. If somebody were like, 
I lost my teeth in a trapeze accident. I'd be like, I don't even need to hear anymore because that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so, Maybe he was just trying to adhere to that bad boy image that Hollywood was building up of him. Depends on when he said it because it could have been before, but he did ride a motorcycle. Or he's just an Aquarius. I don't know if that's completely it, but he was a weirdo. Mm. Um, so, again, grain of salt, teller of tall tales, which could also explain his attraction to Myla Nermi, that and the fact that she was awesome and a complete right. babe. Mega babe. Yeah. Some people say she may be responsible for the curse because spurned oh, well, ended do, up a relationship, but do go on. That's that's oh, it. That's it. That's oh, it. Okay. It's just they're like, maybe she did it. I'm like, mm. Oh, I see. But anyway, we'll get there kind of. Um he was asked about his sexual orientation while he was alive and reportedly told the interviewer that, no, I'm not a homosexual, but I'm also not going to go through life with one hand tied behind my back. Huh. Fair. I'm like, okay, James Dean. This fucking cool. Right. Like, a dope way to tell someone to basically fuck off about your sexuality. Right. It's like, right? that's none of your business. Sure ain't. Um... So between 1955 and 1956, James Dean filmed three movies, East of Eden, Rebel Without a Cause, and Giant. Okay. When you think of him and like his status now, it kind of feels like he did a lot more than three films, Mm -hmm. but that was it. Just those three. Um, And only one of them was released while he was alive. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, He would go on to be the first actor officially nominated posthumously for an Oscar Mm-hmm. Uh, for East of Eden. Um, Did you get it? No. Oh, okay. And he was omini- er, nominated for Best Actor again the following year for his portrayal of Jet Rink in Giant. But he didn't win either of them. Okay. But um, I want to say he won. He did win some awards. I want to say like a Golden Globe maybe or something mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. after he died. Um, now I'm sure at this point you're all wondering what the fuck this has to do with anything. And who the actual hell little bastard is. You just needed a little history first. Because now that we've got that out of the way, it's time to get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. So, James Dean loved racing cars. In fact, it was a pretty serious hobby that seemed like it could become another career in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, He competed in a handful of races and did pretty well. He won in his category a couple times first place, second place, third place. Uh, when he was competing against more experienced racers, like, you know, third place and mm-hmm. stuff. So he, he was super into it. Um, but when Warner Brothers caught wind of his dangerous pastime, they forbade him from participating in any races while filming Giant. Uh, like, it was written into his contract, like, you cannot do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so on September 21st, Dean traded in his Speedster for a 1955 Porsche Spider, uh, which would be dubbed Little Bastard, uh, which was an alleged term of endearment bestowed upon Dean himself by close friend and Warner Brothers stunt driver, Bill Hickman. It is a term of endearment. That's what I call my nephew. Mm -hmm, You little bastard. Um, but yeah, and it was, they had it painted, like stenciled onto the car. Oh, Nice. Um, on September 23rd, and also, going back a second, he traded in his speedster 
purchased little bastard but he had already placed a down payment on another super fancy race car but it wasn't going to be ready until the fall and he already he wanted to race like now got it uh so he's like i'm gonna get this fucking rad speedster situation so did that on September September 23rd just a couple days after he bought the car he went to dinner at Villa Capri Mm -hmm. as legend has it another actor was there that night but was allegedly denied entry because his lady friend actress psychologist and parapsychologist Thelma Moss was wearing trousers which was untoward oh no verboten So Dean spotted the couple, introduced himself, and invited them to be his dinner guests. And this was before he was, like, a superstar, mm-hmm. which he never actually really was when he was alive. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Um, but he, people were like, oh, yeah, I kind of recognize that guy maybe from mm-hmm. something. Um, so he also excitedly showed off his new car, but he was the only one that seemed keen on it. Uh, according to Dean's new acquaintance, Sir Alec Obi-Wan fucking Guinness. No shit. Yeah. Uh, the car felt evil. Oh, no. He would later state in his um, autobiography, uh, the sports car looked sinister to me. Exhausted, hungry, feeling a little ill-tempered in spite of Dean's kindness, I heard myself saying in a voice I could barely recognize as my own, please never get in it. If you get in that car, you'll be found dead. Uh, you'll be found dead in it by this time next week. Damn. And he was right. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. On September thirtieth, exactly never, seven days later. Never, ever, ever distrust Obi Wan. Never. No. Uh, so September thirtieth, seven days after his meeting with Alec Guinness, Dean, Bill Hickman, and Rolf Vuthrich, uh, Dean's friend and mechanic. Mm-hmm went to Competition Motors in Hollywood in order to get Little Bastard ready for the upcoming weekend races in Salinas. Uh, Giant was in post-production by now, so Dean was ready to get back to racing between projects. Um, Dean initially planned on putting Little Bastard in a trailer and towing it to Salinas with his much more practical Ford station wagon, Mm -hmm. uh, which was to be driven by Bill Hickman. It's practical as fuck. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, accompanying the trio was Sanford H. Roth, a photographer who was planning on shooting the event for a story in Collier Magazine. Uh, since the spider was brand new and had very few miles on it, Bill Hickman suggested that Dean drive Little Bastard to their destination uh, in order to get a feel for it and rack up some miles before the races. Uh, once the gang had finished their coffee and donuts, they hit the road around 1.15 p.m. Okay. About 45 minutes later, they stopped for gas in Sherman Oaks. At 3.30 p.m., Dean was pulled over just south of Bakersfield and ticketed for going 65 in a 55. Okay. Uh, Bill Hickman, who had also been speeding in an attempt to keep up with Dean, was also ticketed. (laughs) Um, He was ticketed because he was going 65, but the speed limit for trucks pulling trailers was only 45. Oh. So his ticket was a little bigger. Yeah. Oh, just a little bit, which I'm assuming is probably like $30. Right. Um so after getting their tickets, uh Hickman and Dean decided to bypass Bakersfield. Uh they had super slow speed limits, so they're like, "No, thank you." And they decided to take the Racers Road. Uh which is kind of like an offshoot that would take them straight to Blackwell's Corner and former 
uh, U.S. Route 466, which is now Highway 46. Uh, there is some contention about this leg of the trip, but the outcome is sadly the same, no matter the minute details. Okay. So while in Blackwell's Corner, um, Dean made a pit stop for some snacks, a little soda maybe, and ran into fellow racers Bruce Kessler and Lance Reventlow. Uh, Uh, The men made plans to meet for dinner that evening in Paso Robles. Dean got back into the Spider at 5.15 p.m. and sped off down the 466. At 5.45, a speeding 1950 Ford Tudor, driven by 23-year-old Cal Poly student... (sighs) Please bear with me because this is really his name. (laughs) Donald Turnipseed. (laughs) Stop it. Was heading up the 466. Stop it. I love his name. Donald... Turnip seed. I shit okay. you not. That turnip is his seed. name. That is his name. Paul Anasson is what? Spider? Uh, no, his Ford Tudor. Oh, Tudor. Yeah. Um, I saw a picture of it. I'm like, ooh, that is a nice looking car. Um, so the 23-year-old made the decision to take a left turn onto Highway 41, meaning he had to cross lanes. Okay. And then it's because it's just a highway. Right. Um. Dean saw the car and attempted to swerve uh, using, like, a racing maneuver. But as the Ford crossed the center line, Little Bastard uh, collided with the passenger side at an estimated 85 miles per hour. Some people say that by the position of the cars and James Dean's body, it was less than that. But... Either way. Either way, they were both going real fast. And it was almost a full head-on collision. So it's a two-lane highway, Mm -hmm. and James Dean was going one way, and the other car was going another way, was going to turn left, so he had to get into like a... Okay. Yeah, and he just... It was almost head-on because of how fast they're going and where he turned, but this guy crossed into their lane to make the turn. Okay. And he... Um, hit the passenger side as the guy had been turning. So it was like, but it was really, really close to being mm-hmm. head on. Um, some sources report that Dean's last words to Vuthrich, uh, who told Dean to slow down, uh, were, that guy's got to stop. He'll see us. Oof. Um, I'm sure he did see the spider as he crossed into their lane, but he did not stop. Uh, Rolf Ruthrich was thrown from the vehicle, sustaining a broken jaw and a broken leg that required immediate surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, turnip seed would walk away from the accident with mere scratches. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, sadly, Dean was pinned inside of the car as it rolled and landed in a nearby yeah. ditch. Uh, there were a handful of witnesses to the crash, one of which happened to be a woman with a little bit of nursing experience. Mm-hmm. Um... So she went over there to check on him. She felt a weak pulse when she checked mm-hmm. his neck, uh, but would later say that death appeared to have been instantaneous. Mm. Um, an ambulance arrived to transport Dean to the Paso Robles War Memorial Hospital, which was 30 miles away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but between multiple internal injuries, multiple jaw fractures, both upper and lower jaw, uh, two broken arms and a broken neck. Yeesh. He was pronounced dead on arrival at 6.20 p.m. And he was only 24 years old. Wow. Uh, in a super eerie twist, it turns out that Dean had filmed an interview with ABC's Gig Young to promote his upcoming movie Rebel Without a Cause. 
Uh, the brief interview was a pseudo PSA about safe driving oh, with Dean saying, and this is his pretty much the whole interview. Uh, I used to fly around quite a bit, you know. I took a lot of unnecessary chances on the highways, and I started racing. And now I drive, uh, and now I drive on the highways. I'm extra cautious because yeah. no one knows what they're doing half the time. You don't know what this guy's gonna do or that one. On a track, there are a lot of men who spend a lot of time developing rules and ways of safety, and uh, I find myself being very cautious on the highway. I don't have the urge to speed on the highway. People say racing is dangerous, but I'll take my chances on the track any day than on the highway. Uh, and when the interview was wrapping up, Gig asked Dean if he has any special advice for the young people who drive. As it turns out, he did. Dean turns to the camera and tells viewers, Take it easy driving. The life you might save might be mine. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh... And due to the nature of his untimely death, that promo never aired. Okay. And it was, like, maybe two weeks or so before right. he died. Right. Like it, it was very weird timing. So, what became of Little Bastard? I don't know. I'm glad that you're all asking me. I am. What the hell <laughs> From happened there? to the car? So, after his death was ruled an accident, officially... Uh, Dean's insurance company wrote the car off as a total loss, sent his father a settlement check, and... didn't deserve, but okay. No. Only living relative, though. Well, I mean, his aunt and uncle, but who knows. Um, Then it was... um, They shipped the twisted remains of Little Bastard off to a salvage yard in Burbank. Um, It was then purchased by Dr. William F. Esrich, who had previously competed against Dean at three different races... Are you all right? I was going to sneeze. I felt it right in my eyes. And it's like, it's time. And then and it took it back. Okay. It's fucking rude. <laughs> anyway, Dr. Esrich, he competed against Dean three times in 1955. Uh, Dr. Esrich stripped the car for parts and installed the engine into his own Lotus race car. Okay. And with the combined Porsche and Lotus, he called it his POTUS. And I'm like, I want to slap you in your mouth. Um, he loaned suspension parts and the transmission to Dr. Troy McHenry, another racing doctor. Uh, both doctors Esrich and McHenry competed in the Pomona sports, sports car races in 1956, and both doctors crashed their cars. Oh. It was the same race. Yeah. Oh. The same one. Oh, boy. Yeah. Dr. Esrich later said that the brakes locked up out of nowhere while he was driving, um, and he was in the middle of a turn mm-hmm. when it happened, which caused him to crash and roll over. Uh, he sustained some pretty severe injuries, but lived. Uh, Dr. McHenry was not so lucky. Uh, again, while competing in the same race, his car went out of control, slammed into a tree, killing him instantly. Oh, boy. Um, and there are, as always, some discrepancies in timelines and details. And this story is no different. Um, some reports say that Dr. Esrich, which is also misspelled in some sources as Eshrid. Okay. Um, some say that he purchased Little Bastard following James Dean's death and sold the body to a man named George Barris. Others claim that Barris purchased the wreckage for $2,500 and sold the parts to Drs. Esrich and McHenry. Okay. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Right. Because the curse did whatever it wanted, whenever it wanted. Now, who's George Barris? 
I bet you're going to tell us. I am. Good. He was the self-proclaimed king of the customizers, okay. with a K, okay. uh, and was responsible for designing and building many of Hollywood's custom cars, including the Munster Coach, uh, the oh. Munster's Dragula, oh. and the Batmobile. Like Tim Burton's Batmobile? No, the from the TV show. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, in the 60s. That checks out more. Yeah, he had a this random car in his garage... And they were like, hey, we need somebody to come up with something in like, sources vary, but some say weeks, some say three weeks. In any case, he's like, I don't have time to fucking design shit. But he had this crazy looking car in the garage and had someone attach things to this car that already. Yeah. So he's like, check it out. That's, that's a thing that can be a Batmobile, right? And yeah. It was. So he thought pretty highly of himself, but according to friends of James Dean, he was not actually a friend of Dean's, and he was not in Dean's inner circle in any way. Um, So whenever or however it happened, Barris did come to own Little Bastard at some point. Um, Many people believe that Barris intended to make the car into a gruesome sideshow-style attraction, uh, charge admission to see it, Uh, though he claimed that his intention was to rebuild it. Mm. However, when it was brought to his garage, it slipped off the trailer and broke a mechanic's leg. Oh, jeez. And as it turns out, rebuilding the car was impossible anyway. Oh. Like the... Structural integrity was completely fucked. There was no way that it was going to ever drive again. Um, So he kind of just decided to weld some sheet metal to the front left fender Mm -hmm. and hit it with a two by four to simulate the original damage. Why would he do it? Yeah. In 1956, Barris would end up loaning Little Bastard to the Los Angeles chapter of the National Safety Council for a local car show where it was promoted as James Dean's last sports car. Oh, Jesus. Uh, From 1957 to 59, Little Bastard was used as a touring exhibit that was displayed at various movie theaters, bowling alleys, car shows, and highway safety displays all over California. Uh, On March 11th, 1959, while waiting for the next auto show... Little Bastard sat in a storage garage in Fresno and mysteriously caught fire. Just out of nowhere. Uh, Literally nowhere. Uh, No other cars were damaged. No one was hurt. But no one knows how the fire started or how Little Bastard made it out of the flames relatively undamaged. What? Um, After the fire, a source stated that the cause of the fire is unknown. It burned two tires and scorched the paint on the vehicle. And that was it. Weird. Yeah. Barris would also claim that a pair of burglars broke into his shop and attempted to steal Little Bastard's steering wheel and the blood-soaked passenger seat. Oh, shit. Um, But one of the men slipped and broke his arm, and the other sustained an unknown injury while trying to pry the seat out of the car. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Barris also alleges that he sold two of the car's original tires after they'd been sitting in his garage for a while. Mm -hmm. The new owner put the tires on his car took it out and both exploded at the same time jesus Uh, christ i'm gonna go with curse guys yeah he ended up (laughs) running off the road but he did not die he was fine just probably shit himself right because i would have if both of my tires 
new tires at that exploded, yeah, shit pants would have happened. Shit pants. Um, shit pants indeed. So, um, in an article from Jalopnik, <laughs> which is a great website if you like cars, uh, due to all the incidents involving Little Bastard, Barris decided to hide the car, but was convinced by the California Highway Patrol to lend the cursed heap to a highway safety exhibit. Uh, the first exhibit was unsuccessful as the garage that housed the car caught fire and burned to the oh ground. God. <laughs> Mysteriously, the car suffered virtually no damage from the fire. The next exhibition at a local high school was in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Ended abruptly when the car fell off its display and broke a, ne- a nearby student's hip. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Uh, During one of many transports, driver George Barkis lost control of his flatbed truck and was thrown from the vehicle. Um, I don't know how that works, but he was thrown out of this flatbed truck and little bastard fell off the truck, landed on Barkis and killing him while they were on the way to another road safety expo. What? Uh Uh-huh. A uh, little bastard would manage to fall off two other transport vehicles, but thankfully no one was injured those times. Um, Whoa. It, in 1960, the car was loaned to a safety exhibit in Miami. When the event was over, the spider was shipped back to Los Angeles in a sealed boxcar. However, when it arrived, the boxcar was empty and little bastard had mysteriously vanished without a trace. What? Uh-huh. They just open it and they're like... Uh, There's no car. I'm going to say what? this again. A whole ass car. How the fuck do you lose a whole ass car? Well, this one's cursed. So. This one's cursed. That one. No, I know that one. They're very unrelated, but seriously. Uh, a whole agreed. ass car. A whole ass car. Um, Where is it? <sighs> over the years, many auction houses, car buffs, and various dealers have claimed to own pieces of the cursed car. But none of them have ever been proven to be the real deal. In fact, one auto museum offered a million dollars to anyone that could provide concrete evidence that they owned a piece of James Dean's car. To this day, no one has claimed the money, and Little Bastard's whereabouts remain unknown. Whoa. And that is the death of James Dean and the curse of Little Bastard. Wow. Right? Fucking weird. That cool. is weird as hell. Fucking cool. Also, yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, holy shit. And there were a bunch of other things. Poor hot um, ass James Dean. His, the movie he had signed on to do after um, Giant mm-hmm. was actually called Somebody Up There Likes Me. Oh. And weird coincidence, maybe? Maybe. But... Obviously, he did not get to make that movie, but Paul Newman did. And that, I believe, was his first starring role. Like, kind of like how River Phoenix died, and then Leonardo DiCaprio played in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's... That is James Dean. Also, he apparently became very close with Elizabeth Taylor. And she revealed to um, a writer friend of hers what James Dean had said about being molested when he was a child. But she made that man or whoever was, I can't remember his name, but she made him promise that he would never say anything until she died. 
Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were like, they were super close. Well, then, and, I mean, um, that probably checks then. Mm-hmm. I mean, she also bought him a cat uh, as a present. Uh-huh. She bought him a Siamese kitten that he named Marcus after his uncle. Marcus. <laughs> That's adorable. I was like, I love animals with people names, and that's amazing. I do, too. But, yeah, he seemed like a very complex person. I stand by my statement. Oh, he's hot as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, watching, because I watched the video of that interview with Gig Young, where he's telling people, you know, drive safely. And you're like, whoa, that's very, very creepy. creepy. Um, I was just like... Sir, how dare you? Yeah, I know. How dare... Because I... It'd been so long since I'd seen even, like, clips of his movies that I couldn't remember what he sounded like. And then you're like, oh, hey, boo. Yeah, he's a pretty good looking guy. He was. And he also, oddly enough, knew that he was not going to live to see 30. Interesting. He didn't... He's like, no... I don't I don't think it's gonna that's not gonna be a thing. But yeah, so I would love to look into it a little bit more, like his relationship with the occult and Yeah, I'm very curious. Right? There's not a whole lot of information about it. Um but yeah, and the whole Mila Nermi relationship, um it's now, is that rumored or is that they did they did hang out, okay. uh, but whether it was a platonic friendship, if they were boning, I am not sure. Like I didn't find too much information about it. Um, but he had publicly dated, I believe, one or two women while he was mm-hmm. um, filming. Um, I. I think he may have been engaged to one, but I don't remember because so I was like, Rock Hudson. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like, it's not really a huge deal. No, but not at all. I do love how he became such a gay icon, mm-hmm. I guess, after he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you seen him? Uh, yeah, I've got eyes. Yeah. And, and nethers. Yeah, I've got eyes and nethers. Eyes and mm-hmm. nethers, but yeah, as long as I you love don't it. have eyes in your nethers. Then oh you're good. no, that would be terrifying. Nether eyes. Oh no, I don't like that. You brought that upon yourself. <laughs> I don't like that at all. That is a hundred percent a devil of your making. That is that sound right? that I'm. That's right up there with vagina dentata. Yeah, I can't confirm. Is that pussy teeth? Yes. yes. Okay. I can't. I can't confirm that this is a thing, but. Pussy eyes feels like a Japanese yokai, like one of those random weird demons. Could be. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like that has to be a thing that exists. Yeah. There are a lot of weird yokai out there. Like, just look it up and it'll bring a list and you're like, what the hell? Right. It's just bizarre. But also I'm into it because it's Japanese bizarre. Chemical porn. Enough said. <sighs> so my sources were IMDb. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ranker, Aaron McCann, Haggerty.com, Nick Berg, uh, Jalopnik.com, user The Auto Insider, Wikipedia, Listverse, Jamie Freighter, 
bestride.com, Craig Fitzgerald. Uh, I knew I had to be careful with this because I want to say fascinate, but it's not. Factinate. Factinate.com, Stephanie Kelsey, autoblog.com, Jeremy Korzanewski, Lost Things in HD on YouTube, which was the interview with Gig Young, mm-hmm. and Nightmerica Podcast, our good friend Aaron Sagers. Aaron Sagers. Yeah. Like, that was actually... A little bastard. That was the first time I'd heard about it in depth. Was oh, when he did that a okay. few months okay. ago, and I was like, "That's right." I'm like, "I want to look into that more because that was a really cool story." So thanks for the inspiration, friend. Yeah. yeah. He also is the one that turned us on to Bison Tacos in Estes Park. That is so true. That is so true. So he's uh, like, "Yo, what was Ed's Cantina?" Wow, you remembered. I don't. I don't know why, but I just, <laughs> it just this second came back into I, my brain. Yeah, oh, that place was so good. We were at so the Stanley good. Hotel. I think that was a great, we ate great there weekend. like three times in one day. Margaritas and bison tacos. That's all you need. That's all you need. They're so it. good. So It's yeah. just... Oh, we miss you, Aaron. We do miss you. You ha- now you really need to come on our show this time. He really real. does. I've been on his show now. What do you, he really does? You know what we need to do? We just need to go to Pennsylvania, go to Docs, go yeah. stay with Doc and Bella, yeah. and have Aaron come out and just have a weekend tiki party. Fiesta. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Weekend Straight tiki up. party. I'm into it. You know. I know. I Once talked it's to safer. I talked to. I've talked to both Bella and Doc just little bits here and there, and Doc's like, "When are you coming?" <laughs> The the bar is waiting. It has been for years. It has been. So it can wait just, we just a little need bit to get longer. Get on an airplane and just go. But yeah, I want to go to there. I see all the videos he posts about his delicious food. I know. I'm like, um, Papa Doc, will you please feed me I in my Doctor Specter? We love you. We miss you and Isabella. Okay, friends. I know friends and parties and fun. Anywho, that was that was weird memory corner. Um, just so you're aware. Yeah. Real quick, yeah. That was uh, that was that was pre-wrecked as a short story. Yeah. We are over an hour into this show. Really? Yeah. Oh. We we banter. Oh, I we know. We do. <laughs> but it is it's the shortest That's one. That's a I've, great story. It's yeah. the shortest one I've done in a long time. Yeah. Oh I've... God damn, that is very short. I know. Mine's not. <laughs> <laughs> I also feel like because you have, have such point large font. font that that makes a little bit of I a have... difference. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not concerned. I got. I. I am occupied. Right. Right. You're like I am occupied. Mendel es occupado. Anywho, um, I have a story. Yay! I do. Um, so we talk a lot about serial killers on this show because frequently do. Duh. Would be funny if we never did. What we do. However, who was the first in America? Some people think that. The title goes to the most exhausting bastard of all time, H.H. Mm-hmm. Holmes. However, that would be incorrect. He wasn't, he's never been proven to be a serial killer. Correct. The mm. first mm-hmm. recorded male serial killer would be Micah Harp of the Harp Brothers, who mm. I will cover at some point. They killed from 1794 to 1799. The first recorded female serial serial killer is Lavinia Fisher, whose story is short but sweet. 
Lavinia ran with a gang of highwaymen in Charleston, South Carolina in the early 19th century, so the very early 1800s, and was convicted in 1820. Her last words were, if any of you have a message for the devil, tell me now, for I shall be seeing him shortly. Oh, girl. Then she jumped off the scaffolding and killed herself before the hangman could do his job. Well, shit. Her ghost is believed to, by some to haunt the old Charleston jailhouse, but that is also for another time. <laughs> because today, we are going to talk about America's first serial killer family. Oh. The Bloody Benders. Oh. So, records show that the Benders were a German family of four that settled a claim in southeastern Kansas in Labette County in 1870. In a piece of fucked up American history after the Civil War, the Osage Indians were moved from their home in Labette County to Oklahoma in order to make the Kansas Territory available to the European colonizers. Settlers. Same thing. <laughs> um, in October 1870, five families moved to this area of Osage, settling around seven miles from where the city of Cherryvale would be established. One of these families was the Benders. Registered to a John Bender Sr. and John Bender Jr., they had a 160-acre property facing the Osage Trail, which at that time was the only open road for traveling any further west. So for all the care of people going west, that was how you got there. Ah, okay. okay. One way in, one way out. Yeah. So the two men... Like Compton. Yes. (laughs) The two men... Pretty. It's about to be. So it's, it's, it's about to be. You're welcome. It's, it's about to be. So, it's in a box. Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A box or a body bag. Yeah. The two men built a cabin and a corral for horses just to get things started. And in the fall of 1871, John Sr.'s wife, Elvira Bender, and their daughter, Kate, arrived. The cabin was divided into two rooms being separated by a canvas wagon cover. The Benders used the smaller room at the rear for their living quarters, while the front was made into a general store slash inn for people to resupply their wagons with liquor, tobacco, horse feed, gunpowder, and food. The front section of the cabin was also where the kitchen was, and there was a dining table where travelers could get a meal, and some weary travelers would stay the night. Hence, Mm -hmm. it became an inn as well. It was just kind of like a last outpost Till the next yeah. one. Like a rest stop. Yeah. So Elvira and Kate Bender planted a two-acre vegetable garden and apple orchard on the north side of the cabin. And at first they appeared to be a normal family. But the Benders were different. Of course they were. John Bender Sr., or Pa, as he was called. Oh, that just for some reason makes me uncomfortable. Around <laughs> six, yeah, was around 60 years old and spoke very little English. Elvira, who also claimed to speak very little English, was around 55 years of age and was so unfriendly (laughs) that her neighbors took to calling her the she-devil. Oh, yeah. Elvira sounds like my kind of bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Also, can we just say that the name Elvira really needs to make a comeback? Because it's a great name. Uh, Right? Right? Look at at the people. And I'm sure he called her Elvira. You know, I mean, German. Also, like, we've got 
Elvira, yeah, mistress, yes, of darkness. We've got the Elvira from the song, which right. is great. And then we've got this fucking bitch that is my new favorite person. Yeah. So, uh, John Bender Jr. was about 25 years old and handsome with auburn hair and a mustache. Mm. He spoke English fluently, but with a heavy German accent. John was apparently prone to laughing for no reason, which led locals and neighbors to consider him a half-wit. Oh. Kate Bender, on the other hand. I like that. Yeah. Kate Bender, 23, was cultivated, very pretty, spoke English well, with very little accent. She was a self-proclaimed healer and psychic. See, the Hmm. Benders were spiritualists of the spiritualist movement. Of course. She distributed flyers advertising her supernatural powers and her ability to cure illnesses. She also conducted seances and gave lectures on spiritualism, for which she gained notoriety for advocating free love. Hey, girl. because her flyers drew customers and travelers to the inn, mostly men, Hmm. who usually traveled alone, and spent the night, I see you, girl. Mm-hmm. From those who knew them and had written about them, Pa was described as repulsive, uh, I'm sorry, a repulsive, hideous brute without a redeeming trait. Oh, no. And they called Ma a dirty old Dutch crone. <laughs> Her face was a fit picture of the midnight hag that wove the spell Murderous ambition about the soul of Macbeth. This is a lot. Jesus. (laughs) John Jr., when excited, was likened to a grave-robbing hyena. Oh. And Kate, well, dear Kate, at some of her lectures, had said that murder might be a dictation for good, that in what the world might deem villainy, her soul might read as bravery, nobility, and humanity. Oh. Kate's down with murder. Yeah. So remember her free love? Well, she denounced all social regulations for the promotion of purity and prevention of carnality, which she called miserable requirements of self-constituted society. Which, I hear you, boo, however, she was also fucking her brother without any shame or qualms. In an excerpt from her lecture manuscript, she said, Shall we confine ourselves to a single love and deny our natures their proper sway? Fucking yes. Even though it be a brother's passion for his own sister, I say it should not be smothered. Lady, yes, it should. So there's that. Oh, yikes. Yeah, so... Well, what do we say we about incest, ladies? We don't. We, what now? It's, isn't it akin to necrophilia? Necrophilia is never great, but also neither is incest. Right. right. So, yeah, no, brother fucking. So, now the Osage Trail, like many a road in those days, was a potentially dangerous place. And it wasn't totally uncommon for travelers to go missing while heading out west. There were bandits accidents, conflicts with the natives, and just plain old dying of dysentery along the way. Oh, I've died of dysentery many times playing the Oregon Trail. But over the course of a few years, hold on, I'm getting this off my ears so I can hear better. 
where was I? Over a few dysentery. years. Dysentery! <laughs> Over the course of a, f- of a few years, many travelers, many travelers seemed to disappear in Lebec County. More than seemed normal. Uh-oh. It all started in May of 1871 when a man, a man was found in Drum Creek, which is southeast of the Bender property. His skull was crushed and his throat slashed. Nice. In February 1872, two more men were found with the same very specific injuries. By the fall of that year, travelers had started to disappear off the Osage Trail. Reports of the murdered and missing started to spread, and travelers began avoiding the route. Uh-oh. Meanwhile, vigilante groups tried, with little success, to hold someone accountable often arresting and then releasing innocent men, including the owner of the property that Drum Creek ran through. He was found innocent and released in... released. In the winter of 1872, George Newton Longcore and his infant daughter Marianne left Independence, Kansas to resettle in Iowa and were never seen again. In the spring of 1873, Longcore's former neighbor, Dr. William Henry York, went looking for them and questioned homesteaders along the trail. Dr. York reached Fort Scott, and on March 9th began the return journey to Independence, but he also never arrived home. Dr. York, however, came from a powerful family. The good doctor had two brothers who were determined to find out what had happened to him. Colonel Edward York and Kansas Senator Alexander York were his brothers. Ah, Colonel York led an investigation in Labette County, accompanied by 50 men. They questioned every traveler along the trail and visited all the area homesteads, including the Bender Farm, on March 28, 1873. The colonel explained to them that his brother had gone missing and asked if they had seen him. They did admit that Dr. York had stayed with them and suggested the possibility that maybe he had run into trouble with the natives. However, when asked about a report of a woman who claimed to have been threatened with pistols and knives at the Bender Inn, Ma flew into a violent passion, according to the Weekly Kansas Chief. She defended herself by claiming that the woman had been a witch, saying she was a bad and wicked woman whom she would kill if she ever came near them again. Oh, boy. The men with York were convinced the Benders and a neighboring family, the Roaches, were guilty and wanted to hang them all, but York insisted that evidence must be found first. The neighboring counties were getting nervous and blaming all the Osage residents for the disappearances, so the township held a meeting at the schoolhouse. The meeting was attended by 75 locals, including Colonel York and both of the Bender men. It was decided that a search warrant would be obtained to search every homestead between Big Hill Creek and Drum Creek the next day. Okay. But the weather turned to shit, so the search was going to be put off for two days. Three days after the township meeting, a neighbor of the Benders named Billy Toll was driving cattle past the Bender property when he noticed that the inn looked abandoned and the farm animals were unfed. When he investigated the inn, he found it empty. The benders were gone. 
Oh. The volunteers who later arrived for the search noted that the Bender's wagon was gone, but little else had been taken from the home besides food and clothing. Maybe they went on a trip, except they hadn't asked or hired anyone to look after their animals. While searching the back of the inn where the family had their private quarters, there was a smell. Oh, that's never good. One of the men found a trap door in the floor behind a curtain. Oh, no. He opened it, and the smell of death assaulted them all. Oh. When they looked down into the cellar, it was covered in blood. Mm. The crew investigated the cellar, expecting to find bodies. They didn't find anything, so they even lifted and moved the cabin off of its foundation so that they could dig. But no bodies were found. Oh, that's that feels worse than mm-hmm. finding a body. Because if the smell is that powerful mm-hmm. and you're not seeing a body, I do not like Just that. Just old blood. Ugh. Well, the Bender's neighbors mentioned to the investigators that the garden always looked freshly plowed. Huh, weird. So the search shifted to the garden. The volunteers took metal rods and probed the soil. The first body they found was that of Dr. William York. He was buried face down with his feet barely below the surface. The back of his head had been smashed and his throat was slit. The group searched until midnight and found nine more bodies. The next morning, the digging resumed and another eight bodies were found in the garden. One was found in the well, along with a number of body parts, none of which belonged to any of the bodies they found in the garden, Uh. which suggests that there were at least three additional victims. All of the bodies found, except one, had the same injuries. Back of the skull bashed, throat slit. The one exception was the body of a young girl found in the garden with no obvious injuries that would have caused her death, so they speculated that she had been strangled or buried alive. She was fully clothed, including her mittens and hood. Oh. Um, the total body count for the benders is thought to be at least 21. A Kansas new- newspaper reported that the crowd was so incensed after finding the bodies that a friend of the benders named Brockman, who was among the onlookers, was hanged from a beam in the inn until unconscious, revived and interrogated as to what he knew, then hanged again. Jesus Christ. After the third hanging, they released him, and he staggered home as one who was drunken or deranged, according to witnesses. Oh, my. Which, after being hanged three times, yeah, you might be a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. I would would say so. Yeah. Like, that could seriously fuck up your brain. Do you guys know about Michael J. Fox? Michael J. Fox's whole thing? Well, he has Parkinson's. Well, there's there's, there's suspicion. So... During Back to the Future 3, when he gets hung, his oh. harness malfunctioned. He was actually being hung by his neck. Oh, fuck. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, so there's a lot of speculation that there was nerve damage to his spinal cord. Which, which could have caused the Parkinson's? Caused the Parkinson's. Oh, fuck. Yeah. The more you know. Um, so the investigators pieced together the Bender's M.O. They believed that guests at the inn were urged to sit at the table in front of the curtain that separated the rooms while dining. They would be hit in the back of the dome with a hammer from behind the curtain. Mm. The body was then dropped into the trapdoor in the cellar where one of the benders slit the victim's throat before stripping the body of its valuables and cash. Ooh, that also sounds like a hillbilly Macbeth. Right? Like, 
<laughs> from behind a curtain. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Fucking hillbilly Macbeth it is. Straight up. <laughs> Straight up. A rose by any other name dangles <laughs> from its ankles, boy. <laughs> well, a Mr. Wetzel heard Shit. this theory and remembered a time when he had been at the inn with a friend. They had traveled to the inn to experience Kate Bender's psychic powers mm -hmm. and decided to stay for dinner. The men were urged to sit at the table by the curtain, but they felt real uneasy about it and refused to sit there preferring to eat their meal at the main shop's counter. Wise. This decision caused Ma Bender to become very angry and abusive toward them, and when Wetzel saw both of the Bender men emerging from behind the cloth, he and his friend decided to kick rocks and get the fuck out. Fucking wise, right? And my another friends. traveler named William Pickering came forward and told an almost identical story. Mm, I love it. So several weeks after the discovery of the bodies, Addison Roach and his son-in-law, William Buxton, were arrested as accessories. Okay. In total, 12 men of bad repute in general <laughs> would be arrested, including Brockman. All had been involved in disposing of the victims' stolen goods. Ooh. With Mitt Cherry, who was also a member of the, vi the Vigilance Committee. Oh. So he was implicated for forging a letter from one of the victims informing the man's wife that he had arrived safely at his destination in Illinois, which he did not because he was buried in the Bender's fucking garden. <sighs> Brockman would be arrested again 23 years later for the rape and murder of his own 18-year-old daughter. Mm. So this begs the question, who the fuck was living in this town? If 12 people... And I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably not all of them were guilty, but it sounds like some of them were. Who the fuck were live? Who were these people? It sounds like a very, very small scale version of Australia where everybody there is a criminal. Right? They all just want to kill you. Yeah. Well, and I mean that. Yeah. When it started. Not now. Not everybody in Australia today is a criminal. Well, yeah, it was but when a it penal started, colony, it was but penal so colony. was the United States. Also, yes, it was. Um, but, that... but it's like this little town in the middle of nowhere. Like, this is a fucking horror movie. It really is. I'm. Has this been made into a I... movie? Well, yeah. Kind of sounds... Nice. Not, not a major motion picture one, I like think, but yeah. Movie. I think well, that there almost, have been it's, little... It's kind of Hills Have Eyesy. Right? A little. Like, they're not they're not mutants descending from the hills of the desert, but the it's, a, it's a murderous family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, and it sounds like the town helped. And a tiny, teeny, tiny little town. It's like it's like uh, the, the House of Wax remake oh, crossed with a, Hills Have Eyes. That's a great movie. No, it's not. It's great because I love garbage movies. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, it's good great. old garbage gem. Um, also, it reminds me of uh, Hot Fuzz. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Where it's like any outsider that threatens, right? They get murdered and shoved into an underground situation. Crusty Fair. jugglers. So word of the murder spread quickly. And more than 3,000 people, including reporters from as far away as New York and Chicago, visited the Bender farm. The Bender cabin was destroyed by souvenir hunters who took everything, including the bricks that lined the cellar and the stones lining the well. All gone. Took it all. The Benders, however, were still missing. 
Detectives following wagon tracks discovered the bender's wagon abandoned with a starving team of horses just out this, outside the city limits of Thayer, which is 12 miles north of the inn. It was confirmed that in Thayer, the family had bought tickets on the Leavenworth, Lawrence, and Galveston Railroad for Humboldt. At the stop in Chante, Kansas, it was said that John Jr. and Kate left the train and caught the MKNT south to the terminus in Red River County near Denison, Texas. From there, they supposedly traveled to an outlaw colony thought to have been somewhere on the border region between Texas and New Mexico. They were not pursued, however, because lawmen following outlaws into this region often never returned. Mm. Hmm. One detective later claimed that he had traced John Jr. and Kate to the border where he had found that John Jr. had died of a stroke. He said that Ma and Pa did not leave the train at Humboldt, but instead continued north to Kansas City, where it is believed they purchased tickets for St. Louis, Missouri. Mm. This is all speculation. Mm. Senator York offered a $1,000 reward, 20760 today, for the benders, and the governor chipped in another two grand, which is forty one thousand five twenty today. Solid, right? In I turn years, in cannibal right? family for that. In the years following the crimes, several women were arrested as Ma or Kate, but were released. Several groups of vigilantes were formed to search for the benders. One group claimed they had caught the benders and shot all of them, but Kate, whom they burned alive. Oh, boy. Another group claimed they had caught the benders and lynched them before throwing their bodies into the Verdigree River. Another claimed to have killed the benders during a gunfight and buried their bodies out in the prairie. None of these groups, however, could provide any proof, so needless to say, the reward was never given. Hey, we did it again. Yeah. (laughs) Now for a plot twist. It was found during the investigation that the Bender family may not have been an actual family, which is great considering the brother fucking. Yeah. So who the fuck were they? John Sr., Pa, was thought to be a German man named John Flickinger, and Elvira was born Elmira Hall Mark in the Adrianac Mountains. She was not German at all. She married Simon Mark, with whom she's said to have 12 children, Later, she married a man named William Stephen Griffith. And Ma was married several more times before marrying Pa. But each husband before him reportedly died of head wounds. Weird. Shocking. Kate was born Eliza Griffith and actually was the daughter of Ma. She was her fifth born child from her first husband. John Bender Jr.'s real name was John Gebhardt and, in fact, was believed to have been married to Kate. Oh. Rumors surrounded the case. Some say that Ma murdered Pa over stolen property after they fled. And a man named John Flickinger committed suicide in Lake Michigan in 1884. But also in 1884, an elderly man matching Pa Bender's description was arrested in Montana for a murder committed near Salmon, Idaho, where the victim had been killed by a hammer blow to the head. Hmm. A message requesting positive identification was sent to Cherryvale, but the suspect severed his foot to escape his leg irons and bled to death. Good God. By the time 
the deputy from Cherryvale arrived, it was too damn late, and identification was impossible due to the de- decomposition, and they never got the man's name. Oof. Despite the lack of identification, the man's skull was displayed as that of Pa Bender in a salmon saloon until Pro- Prohibition forced its closure in 1920, and then the skull disappeared. Oh. On October 31st, 1889, a Mrs. Elmira Monroe and Mrs. Sarah Eliza Davis had been arrested near Niles, Michigan for larceny. They were released after being found not guilty, but then they were immediately rearrested for the Bender murders. And according to the Pittsburgh Dispatch, the daughter of one of the Bender's victims, Mrs. Frances E. McCann, had reported the pair to authorities in early October after she had tracked them down. Hmm. The women's identities were later confirmed by two Osage Township witnesses from a tintype photograph. In mid-October, Deputy Sheriff Leroy Dick... Yep. (laughs) Do it. Go for it. Leroy Dick. Nice. The Osage Township Ossifer. (laughs) Are you currently getting pulled over? (laughs) I said Ossifer. Excuse me, Ossifer. <laughs> I haven't had any gin. I haven't. I said gin. That's not what I had. That was delightful. The Osage Township officer who had headed the search of the Bender property, well, he arrived in Michigan and arrested the couple on October 30th following their release on the larceny charges. So they were arrested for larceny and released, and then he was like, ha-ha, bitches, I am here for you because... <laughs> They had been ID'd. Now, Mrs. Monroe resisted, declaring that she would not be taken alive. Oh, boy. She was subdued by local deputies and indeed taken alive. Okay. Mrs. Davis claimed that Mrs. Monroe was indeed Ma Bender, but that she herself was not Kate, but Kate's sister, Sarah, and signed an affidavit that, uh, but Mrs. Monroe denied that she was Ma Bender, but then she turned around and accused Mrs. Davis of actually being Kate Bender. You following that? It's pretty much the Spider-Man meme where they're just pointing at each other like, it's you! No, yes. but you! It's- yes. Yeah. Yes, I- absolutely. So, Deputy Sheriff Dick. <laughs> How did we not laugh at all the first time this came around? She said it this time. Before I feel like she didn't say Deputy Sheriff Dick with such conviction. I said Deputy Sheriff Leroy Dick. You did. But Deputy Deputy Sheriff Sheriff Dick Dick. is way funnier. Good old DSD. Oh, God damn it. Bless it. 14-year-old boys. We really and honestly and truly indeed are. It's so good. So anyway, Deputy Sheriff Dick. Escorted the pair, whoever the fuck they were, back to uh, Oswego, Kansas, where seven members of a 13-member panel confirmed the identification and committed them for trial. So all these people from Osage went there and said, yep, nope, that's them. That's indeed the bloody benders. Let's try and just try and follow me here for a second. Okay. A woman named Mary Garday. Who was also one of Ma Bender's daughters came forward and provided an affidavit claiming that her mother, 
Then Almira Shearer, under the name of Almira Marks, was actually serving two years in the Detroit House of Corrections in 1872 for the manslaughter of her daughter-in-law, Emily Mark. So she could not have been Ma Bender, nor been in Kansas at the time of the murders. Okay. Records of the incarceration did back up the affidavit. Hmm. However, Hmm. (laughs) at her hearing... Mrs. Monroe slash Ma Bender denied any knowledge of the manslaughter charge and remained incarcerated with her daughter. The trial was held in May 1890, and Mrs. Monroe slash Ma Bender admitted that she had married a Mr. Shearer in 1872, which she had previously denied, and that she did have a conviction for manslaughter, which they already fucking knew. Mm-hmm. But their attorney conveniently produced a marriage certificate stating that Mrs. Davis had been married, Kate Bender, had been married in Michigan in 1872, so she could not have been in Kansas at the time of the Bender murders. Hmm. Eyewitness testimony was given that Mrs. Monroe was, in fact, Ma Bender. The judge found the affidavits sufficient proof that the women could not be convicted, and he discharged them both. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it kind of makes sense when you truly have no hardcore proof of who these people even are. Right. It's just essentially everybody's word. Yeah. And anybody can sign an affidavit stating anything. Yeah. So. so yeah, okay. I get that. Sure. Do I like it? Right. No. So. I get it. Were they or weren't they? I think that it was them, but we'll never know. Um, now, a fun fact for those of us old to re- old enough to remember Little House on the Prairie. Oh, yeah. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, hit the googs. Yeah, yeah I mean, I feel like everybody maybe read that. Right? Well, y'all, read that book? Laura Ingalls Wilder mentions the Bender family in some of her writings. Oh. See, the Ingalls family lived nearby in Independence, Kansas. What the fuck? She mentioned stopping at the inn as well as recounting the rumors of the murder spreading through their community. She also said that her father, Pa Ingalls, had joined in a vigilante hunt for the killers. And when he spoke of later searches for them, she recalled, At such times, Pa always said in a strange tone of finality, they will never be found. Oh, shit. During the original search of the cabin, three hammers were found. A shoe hammer, a claw hammer, and a sledgehammer that appeared to match indentations in some of the skulls. These hammers were given to the Bender Museum in 1967 by the son of Deputy Sheriff Dick. (laughs) That sounds like a hilarious porn title. I know. Uh, The hammers were displayed at the Bender Museum in Cherryvale, Kansas, from 1967 to 1978, when the site was acquired for a fire station. When attempts were made to relocate the museum, it became a point of controversy. Oh, hi, Lana. Some locals objecting to the town being known for the Bender murders. The Bender artifacts were eventually given to the Cherryvale Museum, where they remain to this day in a display case. Oh, A knife with a four-inch tapered blade was also found in the house, hidden in a mantle clock in the Bender home by Colonel York. Oh. In 1923, it was donated to the Kansas Museum of History by York's wife. 
The knife, still with blood stains on the blade, is not on display, but can still be seen upon request. Oh. In February of 2020, the 162-acre tract of cropland known as the Bender Farm went up for auction. Damn it. The property where the Bender murders took place is among 1,061 acres of mostly cropland that was divided into 15 tracts collectively now known as the Wagner Farms. Brent Wellings, Southwest Auction Manager for the Indiana-based Schrader Real Estate and Auction Company, said the current owner had bought the Bender land in the 50s or 60s, long after the original homestead was picked clean by spectators who took literally whatever souvenir they could find. Yeah, it's right. strictly cropland. There's not been any improvement or anything there for many years, said Wellings. He read about the Bender lore before announcing the auction in a news release that gave only a brief, very downplayed nod to the Bender's notorious legacy. He said buying the property would be a neat opportunity for someone who's interested in that type of history. The visibility on Highway 400, I think, makes the tract unique because it would be a really interesting place to have some type of historical landmark. It's a story that's a big part of the history of Kansas that people know about. Now, I tried to find who, if anyone, purchased the property, but I could find literally nothing. Mm. So I assume it was someone who didn't want any association with the story or the history, yeah. I should say. Makes sense. A historical marker describing the Bender's crimes is located in the rest area at the junction of U.S. Route 400 and U.S. Route 169, which is north of Cherryvale. Nice. It's a long description, but it ends with... Although certain stories abound, the ultimate fate of the murderous Bender clan is uncertain. Some say they escaped, others that they were executed by a vengeful posse. Their story is unresolved and remains one of the greatest unsolved mysteries of the Old West. And that, guys, is the story of Deputy Dick and the Bloody Benders. That's amazing. Deputy Dick and the Bloody Benders. Now that sounds like a porn title. <laughs> Deputy Dick and the Bloody Benders is yes. either a porn title or a crust punk band. Both. Ooh, yes, both. Right? Both. The band is named after the porn. Yes. yes. And oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So my sources were Kansas.com, The Wichita Eagle, Amy Renee Liker. Mental Flosh. Flo wow. Ooh. Mental Flosh. Words are getting is words. I came. Mm. I just came off a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> Mental floss. Michelle Debzak and Miss Celiana. Two separate articles. Gotcha. CNN.com. Alan Kim. CrimeReads.com. Niall Capello. Smithsonian Magazine. Bridget Katz. And Wiki. Yay! Yeah. 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 Yes. So yeah, nobody knows. That's. Nobody knows. I, I do think that that was Ma and Kate that got arrested. Yeah. And I think that they I, they, they were cons. They were murderous cons. Mm-hmm. And just not great people. No. And I think they got themselves the fuck out of it. Yeah? That's what I think. I think you are right. So. I think yeah. you are right. And indeed. then they, poof, fucking just... disappeared again. Bye. Bye. We already have 816 different names, so... Right? Good luck finding us after this. Right? 
Now, okay, granted, so the other daughter, of course, she had 12 children, remember, came forward and said, hey, this was my mom's name at this time because she was married to this guy Mm -hmm. and she was in this prison. It couldn't have been her in Kansas. Okay, but how hard is it to have faked any of that paperwork? Right. Do you know? I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, granted, it did say that a Mrs. Elmira Marks, I think at the time, she had so many last names, Mm -hmm. was there, but that necessarily wasn't her either. She just said that's who she was. Like, it's... Or was she? Right? Right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Kate and her free love. Right? Okay, girl. Like, I'm... Sure. Right? But then also... Some of your other statements are a little questionable at best, ma'am. Right. And so when I, back to who the fuck was living in this town, um, I mean, 12 of those people got arrested and the one guy went on to, but what I did read that I found very interesting, specifically in the plains of Kansas, it Lots of, there was a huge spiritualist communities, which Osage was, mm-hmm. um, but there were also lots of little, I mean, communities that tried to create utopian societies. Oh. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say there were a bunch of fucking weirdos living in the plains of Kansas <laughs> in the you late don't 1800s. Say. Yeah. Yeah. That. So. That tracks. It, right? Yeah. Also, I just have to throw it out there because now I can't stop thinking about it. I'm just imagining. Is it Deputy Dick? I'm always thinking about Deputy Dick. <laughs> Ayo! Samesies. But no. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, this time I was uh, thinking about Pa Ingalls. Right? Like, you just imagine. Michael Landon, Michael yes. Landon rolling up to this murder inn yeah. with his kids to buy rock candy and twine. Right? Well, secretly there's a murder curtain and a right? garden and basement full of body parts and people. Yeah. Just Laura Ingalls Wilder. Just doing it. Yeah. Just, just getting a piece of rock candy for a penny. Yeah. Crazy, it's right? Just nuts. Fascinating. It is. Yeah. God, I remember reading all of those books too. Yeah. So oh, yeah. good. And the show. I obviously watched it later. I watched when it, it re aired as it was. But it was a really good show. It was great. As Michael a, Landon. Oh, Hubba. Bless him. God, he's hot. That feathered hair. Yes. So good. That's also, I feel like, a look that should come back for some dudes. The that feathered hair. hair. Oh. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm here for it. Some, like, it, everybody had that hair yeah. for a while. Yeah. And it did not look great on some folks. No. Oh, but, the Acid King, Ricky. Uh, Ricky Casso. Ricky Casso. God, he had great hair. He did. He had that sick feathered hair. Yeah. I want to feather my hair. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we <laughs> Just because. I know. I yeah. would love to do it all the time, but one, I'm lazy. Two,. Okay. I'm really bad at using curling irons. Ah, okay. I run out of patience. I'm like, oh, I want to be done. Okay, well, we'll see how you're doing on Friday. Maybe I'll feather your hair. Thank you. Please do. It's right. clean. I just threw it up because like, yeah. half of my extensions, my weave is... I got you, girl. 
We're going to put that weave back in. Get my weave right with the Lord. Straight up on Friday. It's time. It's time. Um, It's time. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Feathered hair. Into it. Everybody should do it. It's really in right now, too, actually. Is it? Yeah. I don't hair, so. For ladies, yeah. Clearly. Which, I like that. That's good. I love the feathered hair. I do, too. Mm -hmm. I do, too. All right. Well, I'm letting Goose know that we're finishing up, because she's starting some dinner. Oh, yay. Yeah. But, uh, well, yeah, so, great fucking stories today, man. We, yeah. We had good. some really interesting we ones did. today. Real good ones. Real good ones. Real good. Um, Real good. Before we go, we got yes. a new review. Oh, we do? We do, and I wanted to share it, because... Is it, it good? It is great. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a five star. Yeah! I'm not quite sure what your username is, because it's a bunch of letters. I'm sure... It's it stands for something. Just spell it out. Uh, I W H D K W N D J W N S. Does it? Like I don't know if that stands for something, or, or if, if I say just... it all together really fast, it's a word. I don't. I don't. Six of one. I don't know. Anyway, but anyway, this yes. was uh, a <laughs> the title of the review is Succubus Vampire. Yes. So already, I'm into oh, it. Oh, I know what this. I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thoroughly enjoy listening to this podcast. Their stories hold truth, and their comedic yet serious analysis is on point. From ghost stories to murderers, this podcast really covers it all. Did I ever need to know about ghosts getting it on with people? No. <laughs> but the more you know, <laughs> will only prepare me for what could go bump, and then in parentheses, an H, so hump in the night. <laughs> Thank you guys for keeping such positive and pure content in a dull and lame time. And then in parentheses, I love New Orleans around Halloween time and 1010 recommend going. Hell so, thank yes. you for the new review, friend. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you. The more you know. Yes. Yeah. Now you know all about Deputy Dick and the Bloody Benders, too. <laughs> we know about Deputy Little Bastard. Dick. Little Bastard. Like, where? Since 1960. Uh, gone gone just straight up that's bizarre i think somebody this is what i think i think somebody fucking stole it yeah and no one has claimed that million dollars because they don't need it could be they don't need that money they just want that car somebody stole it and they died because the curse very well could have been that too somehow or they stole it and didn't know what they had so they didn't know to claim a reward could be could be but yeah just crazy town i will I feel like that's not a car you break into a crate to steal though right right well and why that crate i think that they knew what they were taking and they took it yeah just that's that's my vote just and also i mean if somebody's gonna steal a whole ass car from a box car it just whoever they are they maybe not like, maybe they did not live long enough for the reward to be that claimed. Fair. Because it was 1960. I'm assuming people stealing cars from 61 trains. 61 years later. That dude's not alive. <laughs> yeah, oh, hell like, no. Either way. If you yeah. were old enough, if you were old enough to steal a car in 1960, you're probably not alive in 2021. Yeah, no. Right? It's a fair assessment. Fair assessment. Because that so. puts them at like 75 years old. If they were, like, if they were 15 when they stole the car. Yeah. Just like, 
Where? Right? But, I mean, for some reason, that one feels still less terrible than Oddest Tool's fucking car. That can't even. And, I mean, a Porsche Spider is not a land boat. That huge. No, it's not. Just good lord. No, spiders are real little. Mm-hmm. Real, real little cars. Yeah, I believe it was a 550? Which means sure. nothing to anybody. Yeah, nope. <laughs> Not in this room. <laughs> Not I in mean, this room. Somebody out there is probably like, oh, fuck yeah. I love cars because growing up with my grandfather, who also loves classic cars, I went to quite a few car shows, ah. but I don't really know that much. I just know that when I drive by a classic car, I'm like, ooh. Well, yeah, because yes, they're just please. so fucking cool looking. Mm-hmm. And they're made of, like, steel. Legit. So you're pretty fucking safe. Generally, yeah. Instead of these aluminum cars these right. days, man. I would love to just have an old classic car like that someday. Mm-hmm. But I am also very, very certain that I would not be able to actually drive one. Mm-hmm. Because they are so long, I don't think I could see over the hood. No, I don't all. think you could either. And also, short, probed, giant car. Fair. Might just be, all you'd see was top knot and knuckles <laughs> driving <laughs> down the road. Knuckles. That seems sexual. <laughs> top knot and top knuckles. Top knot and knuckles. I don't like Into that. It. I don't like that. Looks like that scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Just the old lady at the end swerving. Her <laughs> <laughs> giant Cadillac, I think. Oh, God damn it. That That's going to be you. It is going to be me. Yeah. It's me now. Let's <laughs> be honest. But also, why do you think I drive an SUV? Yes. Cause so you can see. So I can see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Fair. Yes. Well, um, we done done it, y'all. We did it. We did that. Um. So, y'all know the drill. Rate, review, and subscribe. Yes, share, please. share, share. Please do that. Um, if you would like to hear exclusive content. Yes. Some fucking bonkers content, y'all. Banoons content. In fact, usually we don't talk about the details, but this month's are the first of two Patreon episodes this month. Uh, we released today the first one um and danielle covered the i5 killer mm-hmm. and we had one of his relatives in the studio to talk about that yeah he's uh if you guys aren't familiar it's a local to oregon and california and washington hence the i5 mm-hmm. but it is a local story and um yeah so go be a patron Yep. You can hear it. You can. It was a really good one. Contribute you to this podcast continuing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Please. So go be a patron on our Patreon. Yeah. Um, and that's about it then. And and reviews. Leave us reviews. Yes, please. I think They're we should important. start reading more reviews. I do too. Let's do that. Okay. Because I forget to look and it's just nice to hear and it know is. that people appreciate it. It is. I love them. Because we appreciate you. We do. So and please, we enjoy doing this. So Please please leave us some if you haven't yet because they brighten our day. Yay. All right. Well, till next time, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mwah!
Fuck, fuck you, Bob. Bob. Fuck, fuck you, Gwyneth. Kimberly Kim can't, can't read and fuck you, Amethyst. Oh, I'm going to shit all over your freezer. <laughs> I'm going to buy you standalone freezers specifically to shit in and leave in your house. Do it. I fucking hate you so much. We're going to go do cocaine with your ghost boyfriend. We're going to do ghost blow. I'm going to blow your boyfriend. We're going to party with him. Ooh, get it. I'm going to blow your ghost boyfriend so it's it's some form of adultery. (laughs) And then you got to fucking live with an an unfaithful ghost. There you go. That does ghost blow. That does ghost ghost blow. blow jobs. Ghost blow blow jobs. Ghost blow blows. That's a lot of ghost blowing. G Blobos, if you will. G Blobos. <laughs> God damn it! What'd y'all do? G Blobos. I think that's better than Goitus. It is. G <laughs> Blobos, which was really good. Oh, what? Which one? Goitus. Goitus. Oh, yeah. God damn it! Yeah, good Christ Almighty. We done? Um, we good? G Blobos out.